Hi, welcome to New Hope Community Church Online. The sermon you are about to hear was originally given by Pastor Chuck Wilson. New Hope Community Church, to know, to live, and to share Jesus Christ. The title for today is Responding to God's Call. Responding to God's Call, 1 Kings 19, 19-21. And I was thinking about responding to God's call, and I was thinking... Uh, It reminded me of my mom because my mom had a certain voice that we we knew we had to respond to you know my dad any voice you had to respond to my dad you know milking hose you know the old days but anyway the but my mom had a certain voice she was real laid back but when she had a certain voice we knew we had to jump and and the the one area that I remember it the most was we would all try to sleep in as long as possible. When we were teenagers, we tried to sleep in as long as possible. My brother, was Billy, was driving into the school. And so we would all want to sleep as long as possible, then get ready for school and get out the door quickly. But we only had one shower in the house. So the first one, we would play this game, how long can I wait, but also still get a shower. Uh, and, and most of it didn't matter, but the ones who had to go out, like we took turns going out to the barn, you know, the three boys, not the girls. Three boys would do chores in the morning out the barn. So we, if you did that, you really had to get a shower, right? And uh, you, well, you should have. But anyway, the, the one shower, so the first one in, though, was King of the Mountain. You know, they could stay in, and it's freezing cold, you know, where we were from, you know, snow, 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 Niagara Falls area. And so we just didn't want to get out of that shower to go out in the snow. And so whoever got in first was king of the mountain, and it was usually Billy. Somehow Billy, used to, my oldest brother, used, used to get in that shower first. And we'd be like, come on, Bill, get out. We need a shower. I had new chores today. Bill, come on, get out. And he would not get out. Oh, this feels so good. I'm, at least I'm going to smell okay going to, to school today. But it had no effect. But then my mom would come in and she would finish she'd get up early and go out and feed the little calves and then she'd come in and I'd be mom Billy won't get out of the shower I gotta get a shower I'm gonna miss you know miss getting to school on time and so my mom would go in and she'd make Billy jump she'd go, she'd go in and she had this angry voice she'd go Billy get out of that shower right now yeah and he would jump out of that shower and I'd be like finally Billy you know and he'd get out you know and but that was great but sometimes my mom didn't always come in on time something would you know, she'd be out there longer. And, and so I could not get Billy out of the shower. So I finally figured out I could imitate my mom's voice. And so I'd, I'd be, Billy, come on, get out. I got your shower. Ha ah, ha, too bad. You're going to be, go to school stinky today. You know, all that stuff. So I, so I finally figured out, Billy, get out of that shower right now. And he went, I'll never forget the first time I did it. He came running through the curtain, you know, soap still in his hair, you know, coming out, you know, and he got out. And I was like, you know, this is great. You know, I can get him out whenever I need to. And it did. Anytime I, I, it would work. Uh, but then it was great till Billy figured out what I was doing and he figured out he could do my mom's voice even better. And, uh, and he started, we terrorized each other from then on. And we just never, never knew. But, but when my mom, you know, Billy, Chucky, get out of that show. We knew to move. Now God also has a voice, an urgent voice. And we're, when he calls, he expects us to do, to act on that, to, to move when he calls us. And we're going to see how he calls somebody today and really how he calls all of us at some point. Will we respond? Will we jump when God calls us to obey him, to repent of something, to turn back from something, to go, to, to go somewhere he's calling us to go? Will we jump when he calls us to do that? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the worship. We thank you for getting us here today. 
Uh, this new year, I know so many of us, all of us really, have been through trials this past year. And, and by your mercy and grace, we've gotten through this past year. Lord, I just pray for, for extra mercy, extra grace now as we look at your word and as we prepare for communion, that this, this communion would just be a, a real time of closeness with you that would bring us through every challenge that we face and grow, and we would grow as we persevere. And I pray that if any one of us is not obeying your call in any area of our life, we pray that, that we would be deeply convicted by your word today. In Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so let's pick it up. We've been doing the life of Elijah. We finished up. I told you that I would finish last year, and I did the life of Elijah. So we, a couple years, we finished the life of Elijah. And now, uh, you know, Elijah was a type of Jesus Christ, right? You know, and he's also a type of John the Baptist. We've been through all that. But he was a type of Jesus Christ. And now we come to the life of Elisha. Elisha. And Elijah means my God is Jehovah. That stands for, that's Jesus, type of Jesus. But Elisha means my God is salvation. Salvation. And that is a type. Our God is, uh, our God is salvation. He saves us. It's a type of the apostles and all the disciples and by extension us. This is a picture of our spirit, not just the apostles, not just all the disciples in between, but all of us who have put our faith in Jesus Christ. Elisha's life is a type of our life and our journey. And this is really even more applicable than Elijah was, which was awesome. So that's what this is a picture of, okay? And we first find Elijah in 1 Kings 19, verses 15 to 16. I'm sorry, we first find Elisha there with Elijah. Now here, verse 15. The Lord said to him, to Elijah, go back the way you came to the desert of Damascus. When you get there, anoint Hazael king over Aram. Also anoint Jehu, son of Nimshi, king over Israel. And anoint Elisha, son of Shaphat from Abel-Meholah, to succeed you as prophet. So we see before Elijah... I get this right. It's taken up in the chariot of fire. We saw that last time, right? God had him appoint and anoint Elisha to carry on his ministry. Just like Jesus Christ, the, origi- the, the ultimate Elijah, also appointed, he chose and anointed his apostles to carry on his work. But he anointed them with, just as Elijah went up in a chariot of fire, Jesus ended up anointing them with a Holy Spirit's fire, tongues of fire came down, it came down to anoint them. We also, each of us have also been called to carry on the apostles' work. We have been called to, to fulfill the great commission. The baton has been passed to every person who puts their faith in Christ, accepts that baton to carry on the great commission, Matthew 28, 18 to 20. Most of you, I'm sure, have this memorized. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. Wow. There's a lot in that one, right? We could spend a, a year on that one. But, but that's the Great Commission. Now, that, we already saw how he's, gonna, he, he's supposed to anoint Elisha. Now, let's look at that. We're going to see the call of Elisha today. 1 Kings 19, starting with verse 19. So Elijah 
went from there and found Elisha, son of Shaphat. He was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen, and he himself was driving the 12th pair. Elijah went up to him and threw his cloak around him. Elisha then left his oxen and ran after Elijah. Let me kiss my father and mother goodbye, he said, and then I will come with you. Go back, Elijah replied. What have I done to you? So Elisha left him and went back. He took his yoke of oxen and slaughtered them. He burned the plowing equipment to cook the meat and gave it to the people, and they ate. Then he set out to follow Elijah and became his attendant. Woo! The call of Elisha is also our call. So we're going to connect the dots. There's a lot of lessons in these couple verses for us. We're going to have some fun with this one. First of all, verse 19, God calls Elisha, who is a farm boy. Who would have expected, right? A farm boy. Uh, God, he picks a farm boy to follow Elisha and to follow in Elijah's uh, I'm sorry, he picks Elisha to follow in Elijah's footsteps. We're almost done with Elijah, and I'm going to just stick on Elisha, right? So anyway, he picks the farm boy to, to follow. He picks Elisha to follow in Elijah's footsteps. God often picks the least likely person. You would have thought he would pick a prophet's son or another prophet, one of the prophets or a prophet's son. That's what you would have expected, but he doesn't. He picks a farm boy. Uh, he picks the least likely. That is God's way of doing things. Um, there's the kids have this shirt. I'm just a nobody. Was it from that song, right? You know, and it's true. That's who we all are. Just nobodies that God uses, and and it, that's what He does. Matthew, Jesus did the same thing. Matthew four eighteen to twenty two. Look who Jesus picks in Matthew four. It says, as Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will make you fishers of men. At once they left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. They were in a boat with their father Zebedee, preparing their nets. Jesus called them. And immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. Fishermen. You talk about the least likely. <laughs> That's like... I'm not even going to say what it's like because I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings, but you might be what, something, think in our culture, the last person you'd think God would pick to, you know, to, 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 to do his ministry, right? Uh, he, and he didn't stop there. He really went to the bottom of the barrel in Matthew 9, in Matthew 9, verse 9, where it says, bottom of the barrel. As Jesus went on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, he told him, and Matthew got up and followed him. Tax collectors were like the worst of the worst. Everybody hated them. Way worse than today. They hated them. They were crooks. They were thieves. They were, you know, pilferers. They were the worst, the worst. And, and, and that's who he, But look when he called them. While Matthew was collecting taxes, while the fishermen were fishing, talk about stink, stank, stunk, right? That's when he called them. He, he called them, and, and they left right there. The same with Elisha. Elisha was called while he was plowing with a yoke of ox. That's two, two you know, a, a pair of oxen. And they had this wooden yoke on a 
We used to have them laying around the farm when I was a kid. We used to play with them. These big wooden things that would go on the ox. And, and then the, it would pull this little plow. And, and he, while he was doing that, while he was plowing, that's when God called Elisha. And you may not know it because a lot of you never followed ox around. But it was stinky business. He smelled like an ox too. And he smelled like a lot more than the ox. I can exact, tell you exactly what he smelled like. Uh, because, with, because cows do two things in their life, really. Eat and poop. All right? They eat and poop. And that's all they do. And so by following these ox all around the field, I'm going to tell you what he was walking in the whole time. Because that's what they do. They're constantly letting loose all day long. And, and cows don't, they're not horses. You know, they drop those nice, neat little you know, round things, you know. They, no, 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 no. Cows, it's loose. It's always loose. And, and sometimes it's really loose, you know. They, they are the king of diarrhea cows, you know. And, and so he's walking behind his plow. He's, you know, I can tell you what he, what his life was like. Cause I know we used to be, you know, with the cows, we'd have the cows in their stalls and we'd be milking them. And in the middle was a floor and there'd be cows on both sides, their, their butts aimed in. And then there'd be a gutter. And then there's this, you know, the walkway. And the whole time the cows are going to the bathroom. Now, you liked it when they went into the gutter, but most of the time they missed the gutter. They were shooting it out over the floor, and we'd, we'd have to get the, 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 the scraper and, and scrape it into the gutter. And then we'd have to spread some calcite, some calcite which was like, you know, kept you from slipping. We'd spread it on that spot. And that's what we spent a lot of our time doing. And, and I'll never forget, you had to be careful because if they really had diarrhea. You probably didn't expect to hear this today, did you? But anyway, this is what he was living. I'm telling you, Elisha was living this life. He was walking in this stuff, I promise you. Uh, and and so, the, the one time, I, it, this happened a lot, but you had to be careful because you'd be scraping and then if the cow had bad diarrhea again, it would shoot out again. You know, you know, and then you'd be like, oh, whoa, trying to dodge it and scrape. And, and I'll never forget, I used to play tricks on my dad. My dad, I remember one time this cow had a really bad and it was all over the floor in between and my dad was there scraping but he's watching close scraping watching close because you never know when the bomb's coming and i remember i, I went i went really loud <laughs> you know and my dad dropped the scraper i'm running he thought he was covered. he's looking at himself he thought he was covered you know i got i got you dad <laughs> i got you dad he was glad when i left the farm but anyway uh that's what elisha was dealing with that was his life, staring at a cow's butt and wa- dodging bombs. You know, that's what he did. That was a, that's probably why he was so ready to run after Elijah. God had prepared him, right? He's sick of dealing with all that crap. You know, that's what we called it on the farm. It's okay. That's okay. We were allowed to say that. All right, we were dealing with all that. But Elijah, in spite of that preparation, in spite of what his life was like, in spite of his low standing in a sense, he was. it was still a big test for Elisha. Because he was wealthy. Even though his wealth was cows and a lot of manure, he was wealthy. Twelve yoke of oxen. That, and he drove the twelfth one. They would have line up and they'd go down the line and they must have plowed pretty quickly from back then because it takes a long time to plow with the ox. You probably see the Amish sometimes out there doing it. Twelve yoke. That's like having twelve tractors. That's what that's like. It's a big deal to have. He, he was wealthy. It had to be a tough test. He was giving up a lucrative career. He was giving up a comfortable life. He was leaving his family, probably the biggest test out of all. First Kings 19.20. 
Look at verse 20. Elisha then left his ox and ran after Elijah. Let me kiss my father and mother goodbye, he said, and then I will come with you. Go back, Elijah replied. What have I done to you? He, he was leaving his, his, his family. Let me go say goodbye. And Elijah says, go on ahead, go say goodbye. What have I done? What he was really saying, what he's saying by that is, is before you follow me, count the cost. Go ahead. Go say goodbye. What have I done? You know, he knew what he had done. But, but he was really saying to him, count the cost. And Jesus calls us to do the same thing. When we decide we're going to, when we obey God's call, we decide to follow him. He says, count the cost of discipleship. Because a lot of people say, oh, I believe in Jesus. I want to take my ticket to heaven. But then Jesus says, count the cost. Will you obey the word? If you love me, obey what I command, he says. Will you obey the word? That's the test. That's the test. He says, count the cost of discipleship. In fact, in Luke 14, and we've looked at this before, Luke 14, verse 26, listen to what it says. Uh, I'll read verse 25. Large crowds were traveling with Jesus. Large crowds. Turning to them, he said, now here we go, verse 26. If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, his wife and children, his brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Now, you know, he doesn't really mean hate them. There's another parallel passage where he says, anybody who loves them more than me is not worthy of me. So he's saying, and by saying hate, he says, you cannot love them more than me. You have to be willing to go. Verse 27, and anyone who does not carry his cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. Suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Will you not first sit down and estimate the cost? Some of your version says, count the cost. Estimate the cost to see if he has enough money to complete it. Verse 33, in the same way any of you does not give up everything he has cannot be my disciple. Counting the cost. Elijah said to Elisha, count the cost. Go say goodbye. Count the cost. Following Jesus, following Jesus, following our Elijah, Jesus Christ, will cost us. It will cost us our family. Many, many times will cost us our family. Some of you, when you put your faith in Jesus Christ, you are completely alienated from your family right away, right? You joined a cult. What do you mean you're born again? What do you mean you're a Christian? You already were a Christian. You went to church with us. They never preached the gospel there. They don't even know what the gospel is there. But, but, but as soon as you took that step, you were crazy. Some of you have children who think you're crazy because you are a follower of Jesus Christ. You really believe God's word. And, and that's what happens. It does cost us family many, many times. Or if we go into ministry, you know, it can cost. Or if we go into missions and we travel around the world, you know, it can cost us family not be able to see them the same amount of time uh, it costs us family it costs us things just like elijah it also costs us comfort comfort there's a cost think of you know think of joshua's stories and all the bugs <laughs> that he was dealing with in the philippines right you know that it costs us comfort it's also a dangerous calling to truly follow jesus christ it's a dangerous calling he was he's jesus said carry your cross Carrying the cross was deadly business. Deadly business. It still is today. To truly follow Jesus Christ, to truly carry our cross, it's deadly business today. Persecution is now a worldwide phenomenon, and it's coming our way. Put on your seatbelts. 
Remember I said this, it's coming our way. We're seeing attacks on, on our Jewish brothers and sisters already all over New York City and different places. It's already coming. We're seeing Christians hated. It's, it's coming. It's got to come because Jesus said it. Matthew 24, 9, warning about the end times. Jesus said, then you will be handed over to be persecuted and put to death and you will be hated by all nations because of me. How many nations? All nations. Guess what? We live in the United States here. That's part of all nations. He didn't say all nations except the United States. He said all nations. In the end, it's going to happen. True Christians, true Christians are going to be hated by all nations. Over in the Philippines, Mark just wrote me today. Uh, and, and I'm not going to say last names or where he is. But, but he, it's a daily reality. He said he's already being threatened. There's lots of threats going on. Josh is heading back there tonight he's flying out late tonight early in the morning and uh we're going to be praying for him at the very end for him but pray for mark and and the church there and 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 josh daily pray for him daily because it's a constant ongoing threat that 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 it's it's just it, it is we're going to be hated by all nations hated and not just by the muslims which they're being persecuted by but but by many who claim to follow jehovah god are going to do the persecuting who persecuted jesus The Pharisees, the religious leaders, the apostate religious leaders were the ones who persecuted Jesus. They're the ones who got him killed, the religious leaders. And and even today, the apostate Christians, the apostate churches have it out for us. Uh, They do not like us. They do not like born-again, Bible-believing, evangelical disciples of Jesus Christ. They, they don't like us. It, it, they, and just like Jesus warned. Jesus warned. It wasn't just the world. It was going to be the religious people who will turn on us. Matthew 24, 9. We already read verse 10. Then you will be handed over to be persecuted and put to death and will be hated by all nations because of me. Now get this. At that time, many will turn away from the faith and will betray and hate each other. Who's going to betray and hate us? People who once claim to be Christians, who even still claim to be some kind of Christian. They're the ones who will hate us, and really turn on us, and will betray us, are people that, that once claimed, and still even claim to follow Jesus Christ in some way. But they're apostate, they're fake, they're false. Elijah was not popular. He's calling Elisha to follow him. Elijah was not popular. Yes, he was honored, loved by God, which is the important thing. He was honored by 7,000 people in Israel, the millions. He was honored by the, the remnant that hadn't bowed their knee to Baal, but he was hated. He was hunted. We've been through this many times in the life of Elijah, right? He was hunted by the world, and the same is true for us. This is our call and our warning. The same is true for us. Second Timothy 3.12 says, In fact, in fact, notice fact, in fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. If you are really living for Jesus Christ, you will be hated by the world. You will be hated by the world. If you're not persecuted, guess what? You're not living a godly life. If someone claims to be a Christian and they don't never face any kind of persecution, no kind of pushback, nothing, they are I tell I tell them right up front, you're just not living a Christian life. You're not living a godly life. 
Because that means, if we're not being persecuted, that means that we look like the world. We think like the world. We act like the world. We fit right in. That's what it means if we're not facing persecution. That's what it means. And if a church, and there's a lot of churches like this in the United States today, if a church never makes its culture uncomfortable, if it never makes the culture around them uncomfortable, never says anything that, that offends the masses, never does that, then it's not speaking the truth in love. The church is, is, is functioning. Even if they believe, or I know some churches, they believe, they believe God's word, but they won't say it. I had a woman who left our church with her husband. I said, why'd you leave? Why'd you go over to this other church? She goes, I love your church. I love it. My husband doesn't. He's, he's not a believer and he just doesn't, he just can't stomach your church and what you say. I go, yeah, but you're going to another church. They're like us. Oh, well, no, no, they're not like you. They, they believe the same thing, but they don't say it. So my husband's very comfortable here. Yeah, he'll never hear, the, he'll never become a Christian. Or, and if he does, he'll never become a disciple of Jesus Christ. That's what I said to her. And she's like, oh, and it, it's what happened. But she said, they believe, but they won't say it. So many churches are like that. They know the truth. They believe the truth, but they function as false teachers. The pastors are functionally false teachers. The churches are functioning as a false church because they're not speaking the truth in love. If, look what, if, well, we'll get back to that in a minute. Look what Elisha does next. 1 Kings 19.21. This is great. This is great. Uh, this has a lot to say to us. Verse 21. So Elisha left him and went back. He took his yoke of oxen and slaughtered them. He burned the plowing equipment to cook the meat and gave it to the people and they ate. Then he set out to follow Elijah and became his attendant. What is he doing? It's called burning your bridges. <laughs> He's burning his bridges. He, he's, he's, he's completely, he kills and cooks his cows, right? There is no turning back. Don't save my job for me. It's gone, right? He burned it. He killed it. There's no coming back to his, his old life. Don't save my job. And then he gives a farewell feast for his family, right? He gives a farewell friends and family, family. He gives a farewell feast. And this is really goodbye. This, he's, he's letting them know, I'm, my cows, my ox are dead. You're eating them. My, my yoke is burned up. It's gone. I'm not coming back. This is really goodbye. He is cutting ties. He's cutting all ties to anyone who could hold him back from his calling. And that had to be painful, right? He loved his family. Let me go back and kiss him. But he's cutting his ties. And every one of us has to remember this. We can't let anyone... Hold us back, whether it's, it's our family, whether it's our friends, whether it's a, a, a boyfriend, girlfriend, anybody. No one can hold us back from God's call on our life. No one. Whatever that is. Then, verse 21, look what it says at the end. Then he set out to follow Elijah and became his attendant. The word attendant there, he, he, became, he followed him and became his servant. Just as we are called, when we follow, put our faith in Jesus Christ, we're called to follow him, but we're also called to become his servant. In Romans 1.1, 1, 1, Paul says that very thing. And uh, in fact, after we finish Elisha, we're going to go to the book of Romans. <laughs> couple years, but hang on, we'll get there. So, Romans 1.1, 1, 1, 
Paul, Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle and set apart for the gospel of God. Now get this. Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle and set apart for the gospel of God. That is what each of us is called to. But notice when he says, called to be a, 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 Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, that word in the Greek for servant actually means slave. It's really a slave. That's probably a better translation of it. Because when we put our faith in Jesus Christ, we are called to give ourselves completely to Jesus Christ. Completely. We're really putting ourselves completely in obedience to him. That's what we're called to. How is God calling each of us today? Maybe he's calling us to change direction in our life. Maybe he's calling us to change the focus. Maybe not we're going to move anyway, but just to change the focus of our life. What we focus on. The focus of our life. Are we ready to obey? Will we follow God's call wherever, whenever? Will we follow his call whenever, wherever? Will we follow his call whatever, whomever it costs us? Whomever, whatever it costs us, will we follow that call? What is holding us back? What person, place, or thing is holding us back from really obeying God's call, listening to his voice in our life? What is holding us back? What person, place, or thing? Whatever it is, what do we need to cut ties to? Who do we need to cut ties to? Where do we need to cut ties to 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 really obey God's call? And this applies to salvation too. You may be here and you're not a Christian yet. You may not have put your faith in Jesus Christ yet. But But this also applies to our salvation, which is the first step to responding to God's voice. That first step, you know what happens. You're, we're, we're, before we're a Christian, here we are minding our own business. God comes along and calls us to put our faith in him and to follow him, remember? Some of you haven't done that yet. You will. You'll be here, you're here. God's knocking, right? And, and remember when that happened? And what is our first reaction usually when God calls us? It's defensive. <laughs> what? This is going to cost me. Yes. Yes, it is. It's going to cost us. If you put your faith in Jesus Christ and it didn't cost you anything, you have not truly put your faith in Jesus Christ. It was in the head. It was with the mouth, but it didn't happen in the heart. It's going to cost us something. But what are we really losing? The world's crap. Right? That's all we're losing. The world's crap. You know, did I, re- and you know, when we become a Christian, later on we, we're growing and we say, did I really follow those butts? Did I really follow those buttheads everywhere? Did I really live in the gutter, walking and all that? Did, it was just a bunch of crap. That's all it was, right? What the world offered us and what we followed and what we, what we pursued. So what are we really losing? Nothing. Nothing. But what do we get? We get communion. We're having communion today. We get communion with God as our Father. And we get through Jesus Christ, we get purpose, we get power, we get peace that only Jesus Christ can give us. We now have communion with God. That's what we get. That's the trade. The world's garbage for communion with God and the peace and the power and and, and the purpose. As we go to communion today, if we want to commune with God, First, we need to put our faith in Jesus Christ. That's the first step. If you have never put your faith in Jesus Christ, this is the first 
step is putting your faith in Jesus Christ. John 3.16 says how? For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. God sent his only son Jesus to die on the cross in our place to give his body and blood as a substitute for us to pay the price for the sin. To satisfy God's justice and so we can receive Jesus Christ's righteousness. And if we will believe in him, the word believe doesn't mean just believe in your head. It, the word means to completely put your trust in, to cling to, to give your life to. That's really the picture of, of the word for believe. And we have to believe in Jesus Christ. Have you taken that first step? That is the key to, to, to communion. And then after we become a Christian, the key to staying in communion, staying in close connection with Jesus Christ, is to follow him wherever he calls us. To follow him around the world or across the street and everywhere in between. You don't have to go around the world. God may call you across the street. He may call you around the world. He may call you anywhere in between. But he calls us all daily to follow him. Are you ready to do that? Are you ready to put your faith in Jesus to, to establish communion? Or, and you're, or as a Christian, are you ready to follow him wherever he calls us? Just like Elisha. Burn the bridges, follow, follow Jesus Christ. Are you willing to do that? Communion, what we do is we just have it up front here. And we have some, we have some worship. We have a little bit of prayer, some worship. And then we open up the table. And whenever you're ready, you can come up and, and take the communion. If... Uh, if you have not put your faith in Jesus Christ, then don't. This is for those who have put their faith in Christ. But do it today. Put your faith in Jesus today. And come on up. And start a life of communion. Or if there's something in your life, you say, God, you can't have it. You're disobedient in some way. And, and you're not ready to repent. You're not willing to obey. You're not willing to make something right. Whatever has to be made right. You're not willing to do that. Then don't. The Bible says don't take the Lord's Supper in an unworthy way. It's very, very serious. Just wait. Nobody's going to look around. But I hope today you do. Every one of us could say, God, I surrender. I surrender it all. I will do whatever you tell me to be in obedience to your word. Whatever it takes, I'll do it. When you do that, you have now entered back into communion. You can take communion. You've entered back into communion. You can celebrate the connection with God once again. Let's pray. As we go to this time of prayer, how is God speaking to us? How has his word convicted us? How is the Holy Spirit speaking to our heart and our life? Maybe you're here today and you've never put your faith in Jesus Christ. You've never responded to the first call of God to give your life to Jesus Christ. But today can be that day. You can start off this year, 2020, with a brand new life. A life of power and peace and purpose in Jesus Christ. But it starts with a prayer of faith. Are you ready to, to give your life to Jesus Christ? Are you ready to turn away from the garbage of the world and to follow Jesus Christ? You can do that Right now. You can be born again this very moment. You can become a disciple of Jesus Christ. You're a prayer away. 
a true prayer away. A prayer from the heart. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Just pray, Father, please forgive my sin. Everything I've ever done against your word and against your will for my life, I please forgive me because I'm repenting. I'm going to burn the cows and burn the, 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 the yoke. I repent and turn away from that old life. put my faith in Jesus. I'm going to follow Jesus. If you have prayed that prayer of faith, your life will never be the same. You will never forget this day, January 5th, 2020, because your life will never be the same. The Holy Spirit is now in you. You've been now anointed with the Holy Spirit. He lives in you, the Spirit of Jesus Christ. And you will never be the same. You have a new life ahead of you here on earth and for eternity in heaven with God someday. And if you have prayed that prayer of faith, I want to encourage you to let somebody know. Tell me, fill out the card, tell a family member, friend. Let somebody know today so that we can encourage you and be excited for you, thrilled for you. You now can commune with God anytime. Anywhere. You can talk to him anytime. For those of us who already put our faith in Jesus, we know we entered into communion with Jesus, but maybe the Holy Spirit is convicting us through his word today of something in our life that, that we're not following Jesus' voice. There's something that God is calling us to, to give up person, place, or thing, or he's calling us to take a a very important step of faith or to refocus our life. Will we surrender to that so that we can have a close communion? Knowing that whatever he's calling us to give up is nothing compared to the adventure he has us on and the purpose he has us on now. Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit would, would move and each one of us would be in a deep connection with you, a deep communion with you by following wherever you call us, knowing that that's where life is going to be awesome. That's where it's going to be the best. That's where eternity is found. Pray that in Jesus' name.